Just a few days after the beginning of the new year, the Golden Globes, considered to be one of the most important ceremonies in Hollywood, were held at the Beverly Hilton Hotel. Like most award shows, it was an extremely lavish event, complete with the red carpet procession of designer gowns, coverage from most major news sources, and just about any A-list celebrity you could think of. It was a night to celebrate the biggest accomplishments in film and television in the past year. In other words, it was a night for the Hollywood elite to essentially pat themselves on the back for a few hours. This event, however, functions as more than just a night of opulence, self-indulgence, and the awarding of the quote-unquote best in Hollywood. Let's pour one out for Greta. Celebrities have used awards shows as platforms for political activism to varying degrees in the past few years. Before the music starts to passively remind you to get off the stage, you've got around one minute to tell the world what they should be paying attention to. Patricia Arquette's acceptance speech for her Oscar for Best Supporting Actress in 2015 called for wage equality for women in Hollywood. Almost all of the gowns in the 2018 Golden Globes red carpet were black in support of the Time's Up movement, and at this year's ceremony, a vegan dinner was served in light of climate change. Following this theme, many acceptance speeches called for awareness about climate change, especially the more recent Australian bushfires. Host Ricky Gervais, however, did not agree, saying in his opening monologue, if you do win an award tonight, don't use it as a platform to make a political speech. You're in no position to lecture the public about anything. You know nothing about the real world. So, who's right? Should celebrities use their major platforms to be political activists? In this episode, we're going to only focus on major A-list celebrities. These are people like Kim Kardashian, Beyonce, Kanye West, contemporary celebrities that even your grandma knows. They've got millions of followers and billions of dollars. It's important to acknowledge that there is a lot of really successful and meaningful activism being held on a smaller scale. Punk bands like Rap Boys played at a Bernie rally. Rap artists such as Kendrick Lamar, No Name, and Jamila Woods continued to expand upon the efforts of the Black Lives Matter movement. Yet, their every move is not being watched, reported on, and critiqued in a way that celebrities like Taylor Swift might be. We wonder, when you have one of the most recognizable names in the world, what is your responsibility? We're going to try and answer all of this and more on our season five premiere. I'm Sam. I'm Max. I'm Emily. I'm Will. And I'm Olive, back and better than ever. And this is Arts Interrupted, the Michigan Daily's premier arts and culture podcast. Expecting celebrity to be these political savants is idealistic. In a perfect world, Justin Bieber is using his 106 million Instagram followers to construct an anti-Iran protest instead of begging the internet to stream a terrible song about his wife's vagina. We think, or assume, once these stars have cultivated this elevated platform, they would use it to enact change. It makes sense. Why not use your powers for good? In our history, there have been several effective celebrity-driven political movements, and there still are, but why are they so few and far between? First Woodstock concert, a historical hallmark of the 1960s counterculture, featured a lineup of artists whose careers were focused on activism. Arlo Guthrie, like his father Woody Guthrie, was known for protest songs. Creedence Clearwater Revival's most famous song, Fortunate Son, is an anti-Vietnam protest song. Jimi Hendrix's rendition of the national anthem electrified the festival and felt like a summation of the counterculture vibes of the whole. The world was in turmoil, as it was during the Vietnam War. Nixon, who embodied the culture the people at the festival were counter, had been elected less than a year ago. This huge cultural moment was recognized partially for its importance when it happened, but it has grown in fame and symbolism as a political movement. The 60s were heralded as a golden age of political action. 
Artists were political and loudly so. So what makes it seem so complicated now? Easy and more obvious answer would be the internet. The ease of Googling allows people to find out the past wrongs of celebrities and the nuances and complications of their opinions. Sure, this person might be advocating for prison reform, but what about the time they did blackface in high school? The globalization of the World Wide Web also generally brings many more issues to people's attention. It has become more difficult to be political. With complexity comes nuance, and that means there are many different ways to be for and against political issues. Not to say that the 60s were a flatter, simpler time, but with the Vietnam War, celebrities were united behind one life-threatening front. Now there seem to be a lot more sides to all the issues. With the prominence of the internet, and more specifically social media, we've also now come to see this trend of slacktivism, the concept of supporting a political belief with little to no effort by means of social media. We've seen a physical manifestation of slacktivism where ordinary individuals choose to be political by creating posts such as, save the sea turtles, with the intention of feeling important, trendy, or accomplished. As such, when someone likes or shares a political post, they feel as if they are making a difference. However, choosing to spend most of your efforts being an activist online is quite contradictory to the efforts of authentic traditional activism. We have megastars like Kim Kardashian posting, climate change is real, just this past week. If Miss Kim actually is so saddened by the planet's current state, then she should be vocal and try to reduce her own carbon footprint. Say, not taking a private jet and then posting about her lifestyle change. The irony is that the celebrities telling us to donate money to climate change or whatever social movement are the only ones that have the wealth, power, and influence to actually make change. These posts and sentiments continue to feel like something of insincerity. Similar to slacktivism, a post made on social media is not actively and directly making change. In an ideal world, we would see Kim K donate thousands to helpful initiatives and work with nonprofits in order to save the world. It simply feels like it's just for clout. Another option for celebrities is to remain apolitical, though it seems like few do. Take Dolly Parton, for example who is subjectively a national treasure. All her hits are bangers. Here You Come Again, Jolene, I Will Always Love You, which was written on the same night as Jolene, her mind. Her song 9 to 5, about the plight of the worker in America, was the title track for a movie that focused on workplace harassment. It has been used by progressive candidates as walkout music at rallies and by union organizers. Parton herself, however, has been consciously and expressly apolitical. She deflects political questions when asked by reporters and has never really taken a definitive public political stance. The fifth episode of Radiolab's Dolly Parton's America series wades into Parton's politics, or lack thereof. According to Dolly, she doesn't really take stands to avoid alienating her fans. Her fan base is large and diverse, full of people from all across the political spectrum. Dolly Parton's America talks about how her concerts are rare instances of people who don't usually get along, singing in harmony, in a safe environment. Parton seems to have created something larger than herself, and doesn't want to jeopardize that by taking a side and alienating swaths of her fan base. In the show, she also talks about how she feels that sharing her opinions wouldn't better any situation. Taylor Swift tried a similar approach early in her career. The country pop sweetheart turned into whatever she's making right now, also has a pretty diverse fan base, both conservative and liberal. As she has become more and more famous, calls for her to speak out politically came in. She called herself a feminist and was known for her girl gang, but did not say anything during the 2016 election. 
In 2017, she finally began taking a stance, congratulating people who had participated in the Women's March. And in 2018, her political action ramped up with her voicing support for gun control legislation, and she urged all of her followers to register to vote. She's now outspokenly political. Yet, she has begun to queerbait her audience by coloring her hair the colors of the bisexual flag in her You Need to Calm Down music video, hinting at her sexual orientation. Nevertheless, she made several statements claiming she's straight. Why queerbait when you can destigmatize bisexuality? It's a reality that queerbaiting is a trend. For Taylor, hinting at being part of a minority, then quickly trying to cover it up, feels like another notch on her belt to gain more fans with such insincerity. What makes Dolly different from Taylor is that she's remained consistent in her apolitical stance. But what happens when Dolly's fears of alienating her fans actually happens? Kanye, for example, was politically active by condemning George Bush's racist actions, but recently he has alienated a lot of his fans with his associations with Trump. It seems as if he's became so engrossed in his own power to the point where money and clout have more of an incentive than the lives of those that used to be similar to him. By acknowledging Kanye's role as a political figure or just by giving him attention at all, it empowers him. He's made some good music. That's it. Looking to him as any kind of moral guide is reckless regardless of his views. But the issue right now is that Kanye has voiced views that go against some of his fans' opinions. Kanye only became blind to the real implications of his actions because celebrity status isolates and creates an echo chamber of only wealthy people. His money and influence make him untouchable in regards to real life. The only way to address the issue is to not boycott Kanye specifically, but rather to diminish the roles of celebrities in our own lives. These celebrities do not live normal lives, and therefore, when they comment on any real issue, it may sound nice and reaffirming, but at the core, they are disconnected from reality and all actively operate in a position that works against the progress that they claim to make. For example, by virtue of being a celebrity and using the money that they accrue, they are participating in overconsumption. In many cases, these celebrities are actively fueling it. A 2017 report of Bill Gates' private jet emissions estimated that he emitted about 1,600 tons of carbon dioxide. And this is just his jet emissions alone. That compares to a global average of less than five tons per person. And yet, he claims to care about climate change. Also, this figure is indicative of how incredibly different the consumption of rich people is from a normal person. This points to a larger issue. There's no actually correct answer that works within a system where the incredibly rich live separated from general society. Essentially, we have to form a new system that doesn't allow for people to gain so much wealth that they disconnect, or celebrities will continue to act in a way that harms people. Now, with all of this being said, it would feel wrong not to acknowledge how we have a full-fledged celebrity in office right now. The fact that this country elected someone who was once best known for a reality TV show and who had no political experience reflects how much undue faith we put in celebrities to be our moral arbiters. No matter how much we criticize or analyze this phenomenon, celebrity political involvement is a reality with very real effects. Needless to say, this is a concept much bigger than all of us, and we can only say so much on a 30-minute podcast. So before you start siding with Donald Glover and supporting Andrew Yang, or using John Mulaney's endorsement of Bernie to fuel your decision, think to yourself, is this what Art Interrupted would want from me? Am I being a critical consumer of culture? Am I properly analyzing these politicians' core values instead of making a thoughtless vote based on the word of someone I happen to really admire? Diversify your news diet. Don't take Twitter so seriously. 
make your own informed decisions. You can do it. And that about does it for another episode of Arts Interrupted. Thanks so much to Olive Scott, our founding mother, for coming in to chat with us. We can't wait to show you what we've got in store for arts this season. So get ready. Also, tell everyone you know. Tell your mom, your dad, your brother, your sister. We're hiring. You can go to tinyurl.com slash podcast 2020. That's tinyurl.com slash podcast 2020. In case you didn't know, silly, our podcast is brought to you by executive producer Sam Small, content creators Emily Ull, Will Peterson, and Max Rosenzweig. Our audio producer is Spencer Harris. And finally, our music is brought to you by Brad Gerwin. Thanks for listening. Now go out there and spread your wings. Do you. Bye.